0: Visit OpenBibleNJ.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service.
1: Well, good morning. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. I'm so excited to be here. You know, we come here a few times, uh, but we Maybe in the last six months, we've been here twice, I think, right? <laughs> I don't know why we picked the winter time to come from Florida to New Jersey, but uh, we do. <laughs> um, my roommate in college, they used to call us Floridiots, so maybe that's why. Um. <laughs> but uh, I am from Florida, from Jupiter, Florida. It's in Palm Beach County, just north of uh, Miami. I know some of you all said you live or, uh, vacation or, or winter down there in that area. Um, we're so excited. So Genesis chapter 2. and uh, You know, I'm also excited about this outdoorsman uh, day. You know, there's something amazing about being part of God's creation. And that's what a lot of this outdoorsman idea really is, is being part of God's creation. Um, being around what he's made, um, made to take care of, really, to partake in. It's something that's missing a lot in modern society. More and more, we keep distancing ourselves from God's creation, and we'll talk more about that here in a minute. Um, But that's one of the things. You know, (laughs) uh, I was a missionary, as Tyler mentioned, in Peru for a while, um, helping my other brother-in-law out, Jay. And um, while we were there, I one of the one of my language school teachers was a fisherman. And uh, he was telling me about all the Peruvian exports of fish, where they catch fish and fish and fish over and over and over again. Um, and they export it to other countries. And he was worried because they overfished the population in his area, and he was worried about losing his job. And so we'll talk about that and about outdoorsmen and, and how that affects us as, as stewards. Um, but, you know, in God, with, with God, in much of his work, his work, He allows us to be a part of it. There's some things where he does it, all of it, we know that, salvation, right? But he allows us to partake in his labor. And when we say, Rick, what do you mean? Well, as we'll see in a minute, God creates and has man tend to his creation, right? God creates and says, hey, take care of this. God saves, God redeems, and has man tend to his spiritual creation. That's what church is, right? He gives us a family. We know that God is the, house, is the head of the house, really. Um, God gives us a family, and he has us maintain it for his goals, for his purposes. And you could say that he allows us to be co-owners in his work, or another way to put it is stewards. Now, I, I, sometimes, I, I, especially in a Baptist church, I hesitate to say steward because people think, oh, he's going to talk about money, uh, but that's not just what steward means. You know that, right? <laughs> um, he allows us to be stewards of his work that he did. He passes it on. So I want to talk to you today about being co-laborers in his work, and I'm so excited about, about about this. And and I don't I don't usually preach without a tie or teach without a tie. But um, you know we were just rushing to rushing up here to um, uh to New Jersey and grabbed a tie or grabbed a shirt that um you know, didn't quite fit my neck. And my wife, being uh, the the MacGyver of sewing that she is, she's like, oh, I'll just fix the buttons. She quickly move the button over, and it still doesn't fit my neck. So all that means is my uh, New Year's resolution of losing weight is not working. <laughs> um, but before we get into the, the main meat of the message, um, I just want to A couple, There's always important to establish some base principles, some first principles. And the first thing that we want to talk about before we get into the main message, this is all introductory, is God is the owner. When we're talking about stewards, and us being stewards of creation, of stewards of the family, of stewards of faith, when we talk about that, we have to understand that God is the owner. We're not the owner, we're the steward. We're the servant of it. Very different. Just some Bible verses, Colossians 1, 17. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read them. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. In the beginning God created. What's, uh, Job chapter 41, whatsoever is under the whole heaven, he said, is mine. Psalms 24, 1, beautiful verse. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof the world. And they that dwell therein, God said, all is mine. God is the owner. That's the first thing we have to understand before we get into this. Second thing we have to understand before we get into this, God delegates responsibility. He says, I built this, and I want you to maintain it. I made this, and I want you to grow it. I saved you, and now I want you to grow. God delegates some of that. he were co-laborers in some cases. First Corinthians 3, for we are laborers together with God. That's such a crazy statement, isn't it? We are laborers together with the, the God of the universe? Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. And we'll look more about this in a minute in Genesis chapter 28. I mean, when he says to Adam and Eve, he says, I'm giving you dominion over the fish and over the fowl and everything that moves. I'm giving you responsibility for this thing. And then the final thing that we have to understand, base principles before we go on, is that God expects his stewards to be faithful. God expects his stewards to be faithful. It's an absolute requirement that we be found faithful in what he's given us to do. And he's given us all the resources to do it, all the possibilities to do it, But he's given us that stewardship. He's handed it to us. There's so many examples in the Bible. We're not going to, I mean, I literally could be here for three days if we were going to do that. So we're just going to look at a few things today, um, and then uh, we'll get right into it. Does that sound good? Yeah? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for letting us be here. Thank you for the freedom of letting us be here without the threat of, of just, you know, bombs and war and and things that that are going on in this world we pray for those people and the christians around the world guide us with your spirit fill all of us with your spirit that we'd have ears to hear and that we would appreciate the things you've given us thank you for those things you've given us and that we would be good stewards we love you in christ jesus name i pray amen so genesis chapter 2 the first thing that we're going to talk about that we're stewards of is creation. We are stewards of, co-laborers in his work of creation. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. We'll start here and we'll kind of go around to different parts of Genesis. 2, verse 15. And the Lord took man and put him into the garden of Eden to, what's it say? Dress. Dress it and to keep it. Oh, man. So God, if you just read this and understand it, God specifically put man in the garden, it says, to work. He created something and put us there to work. And not just to have a job. Please understand There's sometimes there's a difference between having a job and working, right? Um, not just to have a job, but to manage and to care for what he did. For his work. Now, before we move any further, let's just talk about work for a second, okay? So it's clear in this verse, and we'll look at some others. God established work from the foundation of the earth. Actually, he worked to create, right? He used his voice, he rested afterwards. We know that. It's not a dirty word. Work isn't a dirty word. It's not a necessary evil. It's part of who he is. He is a working God, and he created man in his image as someone who works. He put Adam in the garden to work so from right out of the gate right at the beginning first principle in Genesis we see that God gave man a mandate to work before sin before the law and certainly before the flood and it's also interesting just think about this for a second it's interesting to think that God created something that needed to be cared for it was intentional you know, I used to think that entropy was only because of sin. I used to think that, actually. But if you read this, if you consider all of Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, you realize that God intentionally built this, and it wasn't on autopilot. It was not on autopilot. He made things that needed to be tended to. He, and, and think about it. He looked across all of creation. He looked at the garden and man, and he said, hey, this has to be worked on, Adam. And by the way it's good. By the way, it's good. Which I guess that means we could call Ford's good because they always need to be worked on. But um. <laughs> And washing machines and copy machines. And that's, that's a different kind of, that's not a good, that's a bad. But <laughs> But you know, the world has some views. If we're not careful, we'll let the world shape how we look at work. And even our sin nature, because we deal with sin, how sin has affected work. Well, work is bad. Well, work is a necessary evil. Well, you know, and then we have all these workarounds. We create unions because we know that other men take advantage of workers, and then that creates another problem, and that creates another. And so we look at things and sometimes we'll associate those with work, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the sacred work that God has given man to do here. That's what we're talking about. You know, and, and the real, so I'm, I'm a software engineer um, by trade right now. I've, I've, when we lived in Peru, we only, we only did deputation for six months because I wanted to get to Peru as fast as possible. And so I would work, I would, I would code, I would do things like that in Peru so that we could live in, in, in Peru. That's just, we were bivocational that way. Um, and, and all my, my colleagues and friends in Silicon Valley that I've worked with um, you know they have this idea of nirvana that we can just create robots and machines to do all the work for us so we can sit around and be creative and not have to do any of these things. But actually, if you've ever seen the movie WALL-E, you know that doesn't end well. Everybody on that ship was fat, dumb, and unhappy. Um, <laughs> um, we are created to work. But, but notice really specifically in verse 15, And the Lord God took man, put him into the garden to dress it... And to keep it, to dress. That's a really interesting word, by the way. It literally means to serve. You could say that Adam was a servant of the garden. He was, a ser- he was there to serve the garden, to take care of it. And then to keep it, to guard it, to protect it. Uh, if, you, if you go a few verses further in, uh, in chapter 2, verse 19, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast and field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Oh, man. I was just talking to a friend of mine down in Florida um, about this, Ned. And um, it, it's interesting that he said he, God wanted to see what Adam would call those, those animals. God didn't say, hey, I'm, I'm just going to create this and tell you what they all are, Adam. I want to see how you categorize them, what you think of them. He gave them, he delegated the maintenance of creation down to the name. So interesting. In fact, um, one theologian, I like what he says about this verse. I'm just going to read the quote in its entirety, here's what it says. In its most elementary sense, this was the birth of science, learning to distinguish among species, kinds, forms, and discerning reality as we see it. This is also part of our stewardship, there's that word, learning about the place where we live and caring about it. These principles are not simply for one's own house, but for the entire planet. So we understand... At work is ordained by God, right? Embedded into the fabric of our existence. He delegated even just naming the species um, to man. And um, if you turn to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth, and God said, "Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you; it shall be for meat." God delegated everything about this to man. He did it um, to populate his work. I think that's that's an interesting thing here. This is called the Dominion Mandate, by the way. Um, And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. So it's interesting, right away, one of the things identified for caring for his creation is for man to populate the earth. He said, you need to take care of the earth. In order to do that, man, you got to populate it. It's interesting that 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 was like right off the bat. Adam, this is your responsibility. Populate the earth. It's impossible. It's impossible to set from a biblical worldview here. Talking about biblical worldview. We know it. But what the world says about man and overpopulation. But from a biblical worldview, it's impossible to separate the maintenance and stewardship of his creation from man. There, there, there is not a reality in the Bible where creation and nature can be taken care of without man. God says, no, it is man's responsibility. And you'll hear, the, you'll hear um, all sorts of people in the world, lost people, say, no, 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 the reason why the nature isn't being taken care of is because there's there's too many of us. And really, God says, no, the only way to take care of my creation is if man does it. It's very different than what you hear the world today. And the other thing is, um, he says not only to populate his work, but to protect his work. Replenish the earth, it says, right? Subdue, verse 28 again. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over. Have dominion over. You know, a steward understands that dominion doesn't mean they can do whatever they want. Without, you know, just whatever they want. Because they know the master has it there for a reason. They're responsible to somebody. That's why. I was talking to Brother, um, where's he at? Brother, is it Martinez? So I was talking to him about growing up in, in a, on a farm in California. And how his dad went from 10 acres to a few hundred acres to thousands of acres growing up in a farm. And at some point, you start a farm and it needs to be replenished, right? There's a sustainability life cycle to a farm. And, and you can't just, as some people say, you, trample the, you, you reap a harvest, but you trample the vineyard so that the next year you don't have anything and the next year you don't have anything. There's a responsibility there. And with this outdoorsman that thing that's going on tonight... I don't know anybody more than fishermen and hunters that understand this, that understand that if you don't take care of the resources that God's given us, they will disappear. They will disappear. And I don't know anybody more than hunters that understand that. They have to, they have to touch, you have to see God's creation, see how important it is and see how we're affecting it. They understand that subduing creation is there for man to utilize it. Um, a, a great example of this, you know, Tyler mentioned I, I have a fishing app, so th- this fishing app is fishing regulations that helps people stay regulation, uh, regulated where they, where they fish, and it's a very complicated problem. We could talk about it tonight sometime over there, but an important part of that is sustainability. If we're not careful, I love to fish, I love to eat fish, um, I love to kill fish and eat fish, but if we're not careful, there, there won't be any fish to kill and eat. <laughs> and one a great example of that is in Newfoundland, the northern cod if I don't know how many people are familiar with the northern cod uh, scenario that happened there um, in the 1950s, 250,000 tons of northern cod were being harvested every year, and that was sustainable. They were able to reproduce and create more and more fish, and it was fine. And then a few, a few years later, all of a sudden, it was 800,000. And then it was a million. And then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And that was because Newfoundland and those areas in Canada let, let people come from other countries and just um, to really destroy the ecosystem. And they tried to make changes, but it was too late. It was way too late. And then they had to make a decision. If we don't do something, there will be no more of this resource left. And then in the future, there will be no more food in this part of the world. So they shut the fishery down. And almost overnight, 40,000 people lost their jobs. Now, the point is, that's bad stewardship. It's not, it's, it's not that we have to worship fish or we can't eat fish. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God has given man the responsibility to use it as a resource and take care of it. That's our stewardship. Now, with anything with stewardship... Um, anytime there's some directive from God, anytime you find a commandment in the Bible, you'll find that Satan will distort, distort it. You'll find that man will pervert it. And certainly in this case, if I know there's people in this room that are hearing me and thinking, oh, Rick's a tree hugger. I promise you that's not the case. In fact, there's an there's a, there's a artist down in the Cayman Islands called Guy Harvey. I don't know if anybody's heard of Guy Harvey. Um, he's a great painter. He's kind of a Renaissance man. And I was at a luncheon with him with a bunch of teachers, and he kept talking about conservation with fish and talked about spearing fish and eating it. And one of the teachers at Palm Beach uh, State College raised her hand and she said, sir, you keep saying that we should um, take care of fish, but you keep saying you you eat them too. So how do you reconcile that? And he he said, ma'am, I said I was a conservationist, not a tree hugger. (laughs) But specifically, We know that man can distort this. And they can say things like, you know, anything with a face you shouldn't eat or you shouldn't just eat this at all. Don't touch nature. Man is bad. Nature is good. Up to the point it's it's idolatry. It might as well be Baal worship at that point. Worshiping nature is not what we're talking about. They turn work into an idol. They turn nature into an idol instead of a sacred responsibility. A sacred responsibility. There's a famous TED talk of this of the scientist where she talks about this problem, where we're trying to separate man from nature, and um, she talks about how it's actually failing in um, taking care of national parks. And she makes this quote: she says, "We spend a lot of time touching Yosemite National Park to make it look untouched." It's kind of ironic, right? So, from a bi- biblical worldview, of course, we understand that we're stewards of God's creation, so we have to take care of it. We have to touch it. But we don't let the world define what that is. We don't let Satan pervert it. We understand it from what the Bible says. It is a resource. So that's that's the first point. The second point, not only are we stewards of creation, we are stewards of the family. Stewards of the family. You know, he said be fruitful and multiply in verse 28, and that wasn't just a mechanism for tending to God's creation. We know in the Bible that God is the founder of the family and the head of the home. He made Adam. He made Eve. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Go and do this thing. You are the steward of your family, Adam. And when God delegates responsibility to his children, they don't get to pick which one's more important. You don't get to say, hey, you know, I'm an outdoorsman, so I'm going to you know, do my part to take care of uh, creation, and I'm going to hunt and fish and, and neglect your family. You don't get to say that. We don't get to say that. If we're if we're stewards of anything and everything God's given us, commanded us, then we're stewards of all of it. We're responsible for all of it. There's no virtue in helping others, and even frankly, I was a missionary in Peru, and I can tell you that there are missionaries who have done a great job building a church, but their families are a mess. There's no virtue in helping others and obeying God in some things, tending to creation, whatever it is, and your home is neglected. If you're a steward of the things that God gives you, then you're steward of all of 1 Timothy 5.8. You don't have to turn there, but you know this verse. But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, He hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Man, that is that is potent, potent language from God. Potent. You might as well have denied the faith. He says, "You know, there's the the priest Eli. You know the priest Eli, right? He's an amazing priest did amazing things, but despite all that he did, God called him an unfaithful priest because of his sons. That's it's it's almost shocking." Really. And stewardship includes knowing what you're stewards of. For creation, God gave it to man. For family, he gave it to your family. Specifically to you. You're not stewards of my family. Fortunately, you don't have to worry about the Floridiots. Okay? (laughs) Um, You don't have to worry about my family. You just have to worry about your family. You're, You're stewards. You're working in your garden, which is your family. Not someone else's. You know, worrying about other kids, other families, other people is almost always the wrong time and the wrong place to work. You know that, right? You know, the, that family didn't do that right. They're dabbling in this. He should be better at this. Well, blah, blah, blah. You know how it goes. We're all, we're all adults here and know, and know these scenarios. But the greatest danger for a steward is the place that he's not supposed to be. Adopting some stewardship that actually wasn't given to him. And your stewardship today is your family, is to dress and to guard, not just the garden, but to dress and to guard, to serve and to, and to protect your family. Your family. You know, there, there, and, and there's, I could go on and on. You know, every, every family has different seasons. There's the, there's the new family without a baby season, and they think everybody with a baby is crazy. And um, and I'm never gonna have kids, they say, and then ten years later you find out they've got ten kids. Um <laughs> and then there's the the toddler or the the newborn family uh season where everything's a, a disaster and everything's ah and then the toddler phase and then the teenage phase and on it goes. Yeah, everybody's in different seasons, and we all look at each other's families different ways, right? Oh, why are they doing it that way? Man. I remember when I had my kids that that young, we didn't do it that way. Fortunately, fortunately, you don't have the burden of being a steward of their family. (laughs) Fortunately. I like what Mark Twain said. He said, when a boy turns 13, seal him in a barrel and feed him through a a knot hole. And when he turns 16, plug up the hole. I, I, you know, I, I... Fortunately, I'm not a steward of his family, too, but <laughs> that sounds pretty, pretty bad. But then on the flip side, I just want to mention this. If you think about Adam and Eve, they, re- they had to rear their kids without all of us telling them how to, here's a self-help book and here's another self-help. Go to this family seminar, Adam and Eve, on how to raise your family. Um, they didn't have a lot of outside pressure, and they still raised a murderous son, Right? You know, even with Adam and Eve, you could say they had the perfect environment. You could say that. They had, quote-unquote, the perfect parents. They were in the Eve before, I mean, they're in the garden before sin. God, they walked with every day, and they still rebelled. Um, the point is, don't meddle with something that's not your stewardship. You're co-laborers in God's work that he's given you to do. And the third thing, finally, that leads us we are stewards of faith. Stewards of faith. Please turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll just briefly go over this and we'll close. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And when I say we are stewards of faith, I mean our heart. We're stewards of what God's done in our lives, in our heart. We're stewards of what God has done here for God's people, the church. And we're also stewards of his word. All those things are his works, right? He started all of those things. And he's delegated them to us. Remember, first principles. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us, as of the ministers of Christ Jesus... And stewards of the mysteries of God. There's that word again. Stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now we know in this passage, in Genesis that we just looked at, that man walked with God, fellowshiped with him, Like I said, he he, he had the perfect environment, the perfect parents, and yet he still was not faithful in the things that God gave him to do, which led to his fall. Adam failed in his stewardship of faithfulness and faith towards him. And we can spend our lives, you know, surfing through Twitter and blog posts or TikTok, heaven help us, researching everything wrong with America, doom scrolling is what they call it, right? no, no, well, that's ridiculous, what, ah, because ah. They, they know that's addicting, and so they, they get your eyeballs there. We can spend so much time doing that, uh, talking about what's wrong with America, what's wrong with all these other people in America, what's wrong with the politicians in America, did you hear this thing, did you hear that all these conspiracy theories, obsess over a tweet that only has 144 characters of content, and we let that frame our reality, and our mindset, and our actions, and all the while... We're not attending to the garden that God's given us. We're not dressing, serving, guarding, protecting our faith. The thing that God's given us to dress. And you know that, that's the thing about Twitter and all these, all these things, Reddit and everything, is that they make you feel like you're a steward of something you have nothing to do with. Um, God is giving you faith. He's, he's saved you. He's redeemed you. And he's giving you something to tend to, to grow, and to love him. And are you faithful is the question. Are you faithful in what God has prepared and given you? Not just with the family, not just with cre- cre- creation, but especially with your faith. Growing and growing and growing and growing. Are you guarding it? Or as a one, one expression, are you a feeder of God's word or are you a taster of the dishes? So not just our heart. We're not just stewards of faith in our heart, but also of our people, God's people. That is his church. The fellowship the believers have here, here. You are stewards here of your church to dress it, to keep it. Who is Apollos? Who is Paul, the Bible says, but ministers? Who is, and name Mr. Martinez or Tyler or whoever, it, yourself name yourself who are you but a minister of faith a steward of faith you know I've never called up Tyler or my other brother-in-law in in Ohio who's a pastor and said hey you know let me fly there right now and set somebody right in your church let me fly up there and I'm going to run a home a homeless shelter for you or I'm going to fly up there and I'm going to fill in the nursery just tell your nurseries to take off because I'm going to come and no, you know why? You know why? Because we have a stewardship at our church in Florida. My wife runs the, the nursery. She's crazy. Um, she, she, she runs the, the nursery schedule. Um, but we have a stewardship in our church. And I hope you all are responsible and you dress and you guard your vineyard here, your garden here. But I'm not going to call up and be like, hey, your nursery ain't being run right. Let me tell you right now, that's not how we do it down here in Florida. (laughs) Florida man says, (laughs) um, no, our garden is down in Florida in our local church, and your garden is here in your local church. Brighten the corner here where you're at. It's the thing that God's given you to do. So just just to close, I think it's so beautiful that God shares all this with us. If you think about it, God creates something and says, hey, go name these animals, go take care of it. That's mind-blowing to me that the God of the universe would do that. I think it's mind-blowing that he would make a way for a family, I have a family, that he would let me help and be responsible for where he wants that family to go. I love that. I love that not only did he save me, but he said, hey, grow in this and tell others about it. Be co-laborers with me in this work that I started. I love that. It, it's, it's amazing. And the Lord God took man, put him in the garden to dress it and to keep it. And then this, this passage here, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So in all these works, church, guard your church dress your church, guard your family, serve your family, and take care of what God has given us. And that's what tonight is all about, I think, in my opinion. Outdoorsman night is about what God's created and us enjoying what God's created. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words. Thank you for giving us this responsibility and everything you've given us, really, that we could partake in it, take care of it. Please give us wisdom The best way to do it, be with this church that you'd give them wisdom. The best way to take care of this church that you started. And uh, we love you. Thank you for letting us be here. In Christ Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
0: Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.